Sorry about that. How are you doing? Good. How was your birthday? Happy belated. Oh, thank you. You know, it's uh, about as, <coughs> excuse me, it's, it was a COVID birthday, which I think for most of us this year just means uh, being pretty chill. I'm not yeah. seeing a whole lot of other people. Um, we did go out to a cool and very tasty uh, out, outdoors, socially distanced dinner, and luckily the weather cooperated, so that was quite nice. And I got some pretty sweet new boots, so feeling good Ooh. about that. So uh, yeah, I've got a, a lot to be happy about. Uh, nice. Yeah, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's a weird year. It's a weird year to be another year older. I think we should all just decide that this year doesn't count, right, when it comes to, to aging. <laughs> let's just, let's let's skip it, because otherwise I think we'll all have aged about 10 years in this year. Yeah, we all have. I got my haircut today, and my haircut guy was like, yeah, you got a lot of grays. I was like, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's kind of a r- rude, rude comment. <laughs> Normally it would be um, if I didn't know him, but he's been cutting my hair for years, so I'm, Your I'm buddies, cool with yeah. that. I was like, either yeah. was ready for them when I turned forty. I was gonna lean into it when I either I turned forty or I had a kid, but and I had a kid, so I'm like, all right, I'll let my gray hairs fly. Yeah, yeah, you're at a point where you can accept that radical honesty. So good yeah. for you. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, shall we begin? Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show, American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Husted. What's up, everyone? Uh, I hope you're all staying safe out there. Things are starting to get a little hairy again. Um, But, uh, Tyler, you're doing okay? Yeah, man. Uh, No, it is. It's tough, and I know some of these states are imposing... You know, crowd control restrictions and stuff like that again. Um, luckily, we've had pretty nice weather where I'm at lately and have been able to, yeah, it's been like high 60s. So I've been able to take some pretty nice, nice walks of late. Are you getting winter weather again or where are you at? Um, it rained on Monday, I think this week. And then since then, it was beautiful this past weekend. But then uh, this week, it's been highs in the 50s. So not cold, cold, but not crazy hot like I wish it was. Um so it, it fall. We'll call it fall. I love fall. That sounds great. And speaking <laughs> of fall, uh, we should talk about or prepare to dive into a little bit of Spooky Little Girl, which is a episode name that I had forgotten. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I, I have some thought. Well, there, I have a lot of thoughts about this episode. I'm curious to hear yours. Excited to dive into them. But before we do, of course, this is episode nine of American Horror Story season one, Murder House. This is our rewatch season since season 10 is getting delayed to 2021. But I'm not sure if you saw this. Uh, Ryan Murphy posted that there, we're going to get that anthology American Horror Story. I think it's called American Horror Stories uh, coming out in 2021 <laughs> as well. So that's something to be excited oh, about. Oh, Lord. Yep. Great. It sounds like what he's, from what I understand from like his comments on it, he's going to dive into a lot of the, I mean, this is a good example, like this Black Dahlia story. I think that these episodes are going to be like one-off folklore, urban legend, um, famous murders, stuff like that. So it'll be, instead of having like these little, uh, almost like side stories within an episode, it'll be the whole episode's focus. So that seems kind of interesting. I'm into it. I'll check it out for sure. And it's. Yeah, and it's going to start a lot of our, our American Horror Story cast members. So I think that'll be something to look forward to. At least we'll be getting a, you know, twice the American Horror Story in 2021 since we're getting 
none of it in 2020. Right. Um, before we really dive into this particular episode, a couple comments that were sent our way. Um, one of them was uh, Chantel on Facebook. We had done a lot of discussion last episode and the past few episodes about, well, I think it was last episode specifically because that was the big reveal of, you know, Tate being the one to impregnate or at least one of the mm-hmm. twins, uh, Vivian, um, and whether it was the house leading him to do it or he did it out of his own free will. And uh, what Chantel offered up is that um, she thinks the house led him to do it um, and perceived that, you know, since Tate grew up in the murder house, it's bound to have long-lasting effects on his brain development and, like, basically something happens to you when you're born maybe in the murder house. I don't know that we know for sure he was born in the murder house, but it's it's possible. Um, it's very mm-hmm. possible. Um, and that, you know, he being manipulated when you're such a young age by this source of evil could have an influence on your behavior. So potentially it's hard to separate the house from Tate. And, you know, that could explain, obviously, the massacre at the school and all these other things. Um, especially because the house's main motive, as we've talked about in the past, and we'll talk about this episode, is to birth the Antichrist. And so maybe... Maybe uh, there's reason to not fully blame Tate for his actions. Um, And then Jenna on Facebook also wanted to note that she felt like the house is uh, potentially more female-driven than male-driven, just in the way that, like, the male spirits that we see there are a little bit more... um, seem a little bit more submissive, seem a little bit more under the influence of the female characters. You know, uh, Tate is doing Nora's bidding, and obviously Hayden just has, like, free reign to do whatever and kind of manipulates all the other ghosts there. Um, Right. You know, and Moira does the same thing. It maybe seems like the house, you know, has some kind of feminine feminine power, or I'm not entirely sure, but I, I appreciated that message as well. Um, of course, and, you know, if anyone else out there wants to share their thoughts and theories on, you know, any episode we're, we're going over, uh, go ahead and reach out to us. You can email us at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. Or you can um, join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash this American Horror Story and, you know, post on one of the episodes or even, you know, just shoot us a message and we can um, bring it to light on on the show and, and discuss it. So I think we're going to have, do. yeah, a couple things that we're, people will be wanting to weigh in on after this episode. So before we begin, uh, I know you're still in the office again this week, Chris. So what are you drinking? <laughs> I have a, a canned San Pellegrino uh, that I'm I'm drinking tonight today. What flavor? I, I, uh, regular um, water. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it was left in the fridge from pre-pandemic uh, that I forgot was there, and I went and looked in the fridge today in the office, and there it was, waiting just for me for this. Ha ha ha! Oh, lovely surprise. Yeah. What are you drinking? I am drinking. Oh, I'm I'm back on bourbon and cider. You know, I nice. I don't have to go into an office, and so. Happy hour can start whenever I want it to, so I have that that benefit, um, as many people do these days. Although we probably should all refrain from starting too early. Thank you, yeah. as tempting as that might be. What does time even matter anymore? Seriously. So let's start talking about spooky little girl. This is episode nine. I think this is after this. We only have three episodes left in this season. Mm-hmm. Um, this episode was directed by John Scott, who I want to point out has only this is the only episode of American Horror Story he directed in any season. He was oh. uh, a guy who had done a number of Glee episodes. He also did an episode of The Office and some other things. Um, and it was written by Jennifer Salt, who is one of the more regular writers. A stalwart. Um, so I, w- I wanted to ask you to, yeah, uh, flesh out the the cold open for us. Open up in 1947. Right, yeah, 1947 flashback, we get a woman going to 
the dentist, essentially, Dr. Curran. Curran. Um, I like it. It's filmed in sort of this like glossy filter, very old 50s movie style. Uh, I'm feeling like Casablanca type of a, a vibe. Um, anyway, she uh, goes to the murder house, which apparently is a dentist's office at this point. He's operating out of his house. And she's looking to get some work done. She doesn't have any money. She's a very beautiful woman, played by uh, Mina Savari. Um, and she says, you know, I don't have much money. Also, the dentist, I should point out, is played by um, Joshua Molina. Joshua who had Molina. I his name up because I couldn't remember. But what do you know him from? West Wing. Uh, okay. So also Scandal. He was in Scandal. Oh, yeah. uh, David Rosen. Anyway. Um, she starts uh, speaking in euphemisms, which everybody does this episode, um, about how she can pay for the dental work she needs done. Uh, and he, she talks about her friend Nabby, I believe her name was, and says, you filled her cavity. And I was like, all right, here we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, what in turn happens is he uses the laughing gas on uh, our actress our, our aspiring actress and um she passes out um and then i can't remember if we see what happens or we see it later in the flashback i we think see, we see her we see her corpse um we see her corpse but we don't see what yeah. he does in between no we don't see what he does in between yeah but she right. does give okay. a hint of who she is because she talks about the yes the flower uh, in her hair in he her wants hair. to remove it he said i think he calls it a carnation she says that is not a carnation it's a dahlia which obviously mm. this is all building up to the reveal that this is the Black, da- Black Dahlia murder. Yeah. So I was wondering if you could, if, if you knew the background of like the real Black Dahlia murder, even just like a rough overview. I was hoping you were going to do that. <laughs> well, we were both lazy, but I mean, well, I, I think the name's... actual Elizabeth yeah, Short. It... Elizabeth Short, and she was an aspiring actress, and it was in 1947. Um, and her body was found cut in half and like really like she was, she was bisected yeah. and mutilated and she was found in a park. Um, so all uh, that's true. Near, yes, all that's true. Now, the killer was never found for, or they never found out, which is why we've seen so many movies and I'm sure podcasts <laughs> um, all about it. Um, and then as far as where she came from, I think she was an East Coast girl. And I don't know if this was all included in it, but um, yeah. She traveled to L.A. to become an actress, and this was her whole, I mean, essentially kind of the condensed version of what we see in the cold open. Uh, and right, she right. was the, on the news, in the newspapers for a long time, people trying to figure out what happened just because it was such a gruesome murder. Yeah, and it's, well, I think it's probably one of those first, like, unsolved, unsolved mysteries that, like, gripped people. And that's why it's even still talked about today, because there wasn't, like, a real, it, it did catch the public's attention so much, and there was never a killer Actually right. identified, right? Um, a couple of, like she, thoughts that came to me. Oh, go ahead. I was like, she was called the Black Dahlia in like the um, in all the newspapers. Right. Uh, a couple of thoughts that came to me as I was w- watching through this. First of all, this is the first episode of. I mean, because obviously this is season one. You know, in future seasons, I feel like we get a lot of these like. I guess we have a little bit with, like, the, the piggy pig man thing, but, like, this is the first time where we get, like, a full episode that almost has, like, a brings in, you know, a real-life murder or, or kind of, like, a urban legend type 
arc that is almost like it doesn't really fit with the story. <laughs> um, but it's like it's one of those things where you think you feel like the American Horror Story writers just want to like they really enjoy exploring these, um, you know, real life or um, at least like real life paranoias of uh, mm-hmm. urban legend. But obviously this was a real life murder. So we'll see a lot. We see a lot more of those, obviously. They must have felt good about this one because they did it in future seasons a whole bunch. And obviously we're going to get a whole show about it now. Um, the other thing that I noticed here too is that it's, it was interesting and I didn't remember that we had a dentist at one point occupying the murder house. And it feels to me like it can't be a coincidence that we have... Charles Montgomery is a doctor operating out of the house as the original occupant of the house. And then since then, you know, obviously Ben is a psychiatrist with his office in the house. Dr. Curran is a dentist with his office in the house. It doesn't like, you don't look at that house and like say naturally, like that's a doctor should operate out of this house. It's so a really good there must be point. something about it that attracts doctors. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, nursing students. What's up with all the medical professionals that have lived here? Yeah. Something about this house. It draws people who have that medical background. Do we maybe know it's what the, the job spirit is? of Charles Montgomery? Uh, maybe, yeah. I mean, he built it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. What, what, what did uh, Patrick and Chad? What were their jobs? Did we ever find out? Do we know? I don't. I don't know if we knew or not. That's a great question, and I don't remember. Yeah. Um, unless there, unless Patrick's, well, unless Chad's job actually was interior design stuff, right. um, but I don't think I don't think it said explicitly. If yeah. we're wrong about anyway. that, somebody please please enlighten us. Yeah. So diving into this whole episode, let's begin by saying we don't get any Violet this episode. Um, last episode, I think we got no Constance. This episode, we got no Violet. So uh, it's safe to say everyone believes she's hiding in her room, upset that her mom was taken to an asylum and that she had a hand in it, right? Hanging out with Tate most of the time, I think. Um, another kind of common thing that happens throughout this episode is Moira's seduction of, of Ben. She starts the episode off by trying to seduce him once again. Um, and I will say that throughout this episode, he seems to have more control over himself than we've seen in a while. And I'm wondering where you think that comes from, um, especially before he, he learns what he learns later from the doctor at the hospital. Is that, you know, guilt he's feeling from committing Vivian? Or where do you think that new sense of, like, self-control, especially when Vivian's no longer in the house, to, like, catch him in the act, you know? Yeah, I, it's it's a good question to explore i mean we see him as a you know kind of he, he's reached his peak in a lot of uh, uh frustrations and issues with his family the house you know so i think sex for a majority of people would be blast on their mind um i don't know if he is actually technically diagnosed as a sex as a sex addict in this i know that that's thrown around by Chad about Patrick and uh, same thing. He tells that to Vivian about Ben. We're both married to sex addicts. Um, I think he's just got bigger fish to fry than getting his, you know, rocks off or whatever with the person who's <laughs> been constantly trying to seduce him uh, that he's held off on long enough. Like if he's held off this long, you know, it's good that good, good chances that he's going to not go through with it at this point, even though Vivian's out of the house. I think his life's enough in shambles that he's not interested in this right now. So it might just be the the situation that he's at that, you know, Hayden and Vivian and all of it, that he he's not even going to touch it. Right. Well, and moving on from there, you know, it's funny because I think last episode you were saying how you didn't remember that Kate Mara was this much in the show. And this episode is like God, so much everywhere. of her... 
Uh, and I had forgotten too, just how involved she still was after, you know, she died, she died in some of the initial threats to Vivian and that sort of thing. Um, she's really a little mischief maker in this episode in a lot of different ways. She's an asshole. Uh, Right. Well, and so let's start with talking about Constance. It's the first time we've seen her in a while. Um, the implication we get is that she's been kind of off morning Addy. Um, and, you know, she she's a painter, which is something we don't get to actually see her painting, I think. But she's like drunk painting in the kitchen. She has her <laughs> uh, frustrations with Travis because, you know, I think she every time someone aspires to be like attractive, that's not her. She, she seems to despise him for her own, you know, she's. Having aged, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. She's very bitter, very jealous. Travis is pissed. He wants to, I don't know, stick it to her, uh, or not, or stick it to someone <laughs> else. And Hayden uh, is, like I said, a little uh, imp character in this particular episode, and offers up that opportunity, um, which I thought is again funny that multiple times uh, they just sneak back into the murder house to have sex without anybody knowing they're there. Um, yeah. it's, it's unclear whose room they're in, I think, cause they actually have think... sex in a bed. Is oh, it yeah, in a Ben's right. room? No, that's, that's the first time. The second time the I think time. they have it in the basement. Yeah. In the basement. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. I was like, Oh, whose room? Yeah. I don't know. While he was out mm-hmm. supposed to be getting, uh, Pell-Mells, which is hilarious. Cause I think that's cause they can't use the brand name Paul Malls. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Hayden seems to be trying to teach him how to use sex as a weapon. A hundred percent. But he, he seems like, I, I don't know, he seems legitimately like he keeps wanting to go back to Constance because he thinks he's in love. Um, and she's pretty frustrated by that. She's also trying to experiment, we learn, because she's trying to figure out if her and Ben, you know, if she could actually have a real relationship with Ben, basically. Um, potentially without ever revealing to him that she's actually, well, he knows she's dead. He buried her, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I'm not... Yeah, I mean, make him feel comfortable with having, you know, a relationship with a ghost. Um, So Detective Colquitt shows back up, who we've only seen that one other episode when he was investigating Mm -hmm. Adina Porter's disappearance. Um, And he was pretty, uh, he was not a big fan of Ben last time he was there either. Um, And you think he would be a little suspicious when you start, like, multiple people around Ben keep disappearing, which I think is probably why he showed back up with Hayden's sister, uh, Mm -hmm. who first time we see her. But... You know, it doesn't it doesn't end up being the drama we anticipate it being because look, Hayden's there presenting a pleasant front, and uh, is from my understanding seems to be trying to win Ben's affections, show him that like she can act like a normal human being that is not feeling you know that is not vindictive and all this stuff. So that way, he will choose to continue to be with her with Vivian in the asylum. Is that your understanding as well? As far as I know, it's weird. She also tells him that she had the abortion and tries to convince him that she's still I, – I, it's confusing to me whether or not she's actually trying to convince him he's, he, she's still alive and whether his mind is just so mixed up with how the house is influencing him or whether, you know, he actually understands that, like, the house has powers or, you know, it, I think we don't actually even – that's not really revealed yeah. to us. Yeah, so he's dealing with all is, this business. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so all we know is that Hayden's manipulative and she's a liar and, like – you know, she's just saying, she's like, as we know exactly what she does with all the people in this episode. Mm-hmm. But again, like Ben is pretty, pretty strictly holding his ground, keeping, he's already pushed off Moira. He's keeping away from, from Hayden. He's like, you know, thank you for that. But you know, we can't be together. Um, and then of course, Elizabeth Short arrives as a patient. He feels a connection to her as well. Like uh, for some reason, his, her story connects with him. Um, who knows if that's just him being attracted to her and kind of transposing that, um, but she plans to pay for treatment 
with him the same way she wanted to pay for treatment in 1947, um, which he, again, seems to be able to kind of back away from. So at this point, it's like, okay, Ben, you know, you're actually proving yourself to be, have a little bit more self-control than maybe we ever anticipated from you, especially given you're not under anyone's watchful eye with Vivian, or Vivian in the asylum and Violet barricaded in her room. Uh, but that all changes. Well, it doesn't change, but his temperament changes very quickly when he gets the blockbuster news of heteropaternal superfecundation, which I looked up and is apparently a very real thing. I feel like I need to watch like a PBS documentary about this business. <laughs> Had you ever heard? Is this something you've ever heard about in real life? I feel like I've heard about it. Um, I don't know anyone this has ever happened to. Um, but yeah, it's I'm, two different dads to some... twins. I have so many different questions. Like, can those twins be identical or do they have to be fraternal twins? I imagine they, they have to be fraternal. They would have to be fraternal. Right? fraternal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They would have to be. Well, yeah, even that, I, mean, I don't know if it'd be considered. I'd have to know what the correct term for fraternal is. It might just be you're pregnant with two different babies, not technically twins, because it's two different eggs and two different sperm. So it's not like it's. Right. One is it even fair to call them twins? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Regardless of the case, Ben is apparently quite devastated. Well, not apparently. He's very devastated by this news um, because he'd been so excited about the babies, obviously. And, uh, man, we'll go into this in a few minutes, but he becomes quite the hypocrite, I would say. Oh, yeah. He flip-flops. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one little kind of small in-between scene we have here where, where Constance is showing up looking for... Well, she thinks Violet was the one having sex with Travis. So she comes over to the murder house and ends up having a connection with Moira. But Moira somehow knows that one of the babies wasn't Ben's. Um, which I guess goes back to Moira kind of being the almost like nanny, like the house's like nanny figure. Um, sort of. I mean, she's mentioned that she has grown really close with Vivian. So she, I believe she does have a connection with Vivian. If we think of young Moira, Moira, young Moira seemed like a really nice girl. Like she was mm -hmm. a good human being and cared to do her job right. Had one dalliance and did not want to cheat again and got raped. It's like, she seems like at her core, she's a good person. You know, let's look aside from the, all the sexual, uh, seduction she's been doing but anyway so i think she does have some allegiance to vivian and violet and maybe mm -hmm. ben a little bit too even though she plays him yeah well we have our only uh glimpse of tate this episode also in this sequence because constance goes looking for him because moira insinuates to her that tate is the father of the baby obviously and so you know, I was actually kind of surprised that Constance didn't know this before because some of the way she behaves is almost as if she, like, I don't know, it's suspicious. And, like, how, when she brings over, you know, the intestines previously and stuff like that, I feel like the way she acts is a little bit like she almost anticipated the house impregnating Vivian. Um, and she seems so surprised here. Um, yeah. And obviously it's... later she asked Billy Dean about it and stuff. But Yeah, I think, you know we're watching this show essentially and remembering what happened. I think, if, you know, if we really examined how Constance acts this episode versus how she did two episodes ago with Tate versus two episodes before that, it's kind of all over the map. And this is for all of our characters and probably why the show doesn't necessarily get uh, as much critical acclaim as other shows do because it is not very consistent with its character choices. It gets way worse later on and, uh, later seasons um, but the show goes for moments not necessarily broad storyline and that's great and fun when you want a campy show like this but not necessarily 
coherency and consistency when you're looking for storytelling through a full season, right? Well, and it makes us remember too that what the show, where the show has consistently won acclaim is with individual performances. Mm -hmm. And I believe that, I believe Jessica Lange was the only Emmy winner out of this season. Is that right? I think you're Um, right. I think she won it for Constance. And honestly, the exchange we see a little bit later when she's talking to Travis about, um, oh yeah, she's career, like her career and stuff like that. It's like, <laughs> I mean, I feel bad for the guy who plays Travis because you just he, he, like it's, it feels like he can't keep up. <laughs> I know, and he's supposed to be that kind of like dummy model guy, and you know, you could play that character with a little depth. And again, I'm not an actor, so but you just standing next to Jessica Lang is insane. To you know, it just yeah, poor guy. I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to be him. Uh, taking a step backward we have the scene where Moira and Elizabeth Short are like kind of beginning to go at it in Ben's office again they're increasing the temptation and you kind of see in his head that he he can picture himself there but is still able to with you know to hold back even though he does know now or you know in his mind Vivian has been unfaithful Um, so he he continues to stick with that and in the same time he also fires Moira again because um, mm-hmm. I think they tried to fire her previously. Um, obviously, that's not going to be able to work out. But this is kind of what leads to Hayden revealing the additional Black Dahlia backstory. Because Elizabeth Short just seems kind of confused. Um, you know, it almost seems like the house realized it was not having success with, you know, Moira seducing Ben. It was not having sex with, or sorry, success, success. <laughs> with uh, Hayden really seducing Ben anymore. So it was like, we need to bring in this other person that died in the house to try to seduce him. And it's still continuing not to work. Um, One thing I was thinking about is obviously the goal with having, you know, Vivian have sex with the house is so Vivian can get pregnant. Why does the house so much want Ben to have sex with its different ghosts? Uh, What what do you think? It's really unclear. Like, obviously the theme for this episode is sex as currency and sex as a weapon or whatever. But I... It's just hounding Ben right now with vaginas everywhere so he can try to, you know, cheat or not cheat or whatever. Um, I, I think the house just wants him to fall apart like all the a lot of the other former tenants uh, have that just completely break down. Um, yeah. I don't understand. You know, we get a little reveal at the end with moira that he's passed his test or whatever but i don't think he passed his test i don't i don't it's unclear again i think this is just for moments and for acting performances so storyline doesn't necessarily make sense here Mm -hmm. and it is a mechanism for then hayden to reveal more of the black dahlia backstory we find out that dr curran basically over anesthetized her when she was in the dental chair um so uh, incidentally, he appears to be a necrophiliac because he had sex with a dead body. Um, I know, but he didn't think she was dead, so... <laughs> yeah. Um, and he accidental. seemed pretty... I mean, this was a, this was an accidental death, yeah. But luckily, uh, Dr. Montgomery is there in the basement to assist, uh, as he, as he oh does, um, by huffing more ether and bisecting her. And he didn't even put any bat wings on her or anything this time. He just kind of chopped her up into miscellaneous pieces to be thrown yep. in the park. Yep. Um, not really sure how that helped the situation at all, but I guess it never got traced back to Dr. Curran, so maybe that's what he was going for somehow. Um, and then, you know, Elizabeth is happy that she's famous. So, you know, Hollywood. I, yeah, <laughs> it really frustrates me that that 
Hayden has to be this ghost that just reveals all this information to everyone. Like, that's her role. It's her role to do that, and it's her role to stir the pot. Um, and it's often very forced, sort of, you know, that it's, it's she contrives things, and she wants to take the two babies, and it gives some depth of a tension for the rest of the season, which I mentioned in previous episodes we've done. But it's really frustrating that all she does is go around and just, like, tell ghosts that they're ghosts. <laughs> Yeah, like she's the newest ghost. She's a baby ghost. How does she know all this? It just it's and she, she's you the most know, suspended. Yeah, but it's frustrating sometimes. Yeah, no, I mean, and maybe you know, as more time passes, you forget you're a ghost more and more. Um, this is a little bit of a concept in uh, Hunting a Bly Manor, which is the people who are ghosts in Bly Manor. They the longer they've been a ghost, the more they start to kind of lose their self and lose their like sense of what is present and what is past and all this different kind of stuff. So maybe they uh, stole a little bit of that concept from American Horror Story here. Yeah, um, and did it better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ben goes to visit Vivian uh, at the asylum and uh, sounds like she's being treated pretty horribly there. You know, they're continuing to gaslight her, make her think that her rubber man visions were, you know, a hallucination. Um, and Ben comes to just, like, pour on the poor treatment. Um, he waxes on about her betrayal and her lies because of the mixed twins. Uh, and really is quite a quite a hypocrite um, when you really piece it all together, considering he got Hayden pregnant also. Um, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot of sympathy here. I, I wrote in my notes, what a bastard. <laughs> He's, yeah. I, you know, I don't know. Dr. Harmon is what what the writers need him to be that that episode <laughs> and this is a very ben centric episode you know we get the flashback not long after to the first time he like him and hayden i guess kind of were probably bar. decided to we i can i think we kind of get that it's like probably the night where they first you know went for it because she's clearly very into him he is very drunk is already having marriage problems so we realize that they did have marriage problems pre-hayden but right. you know was that because of the she, he, that was because he lost was, the baby, right? But it's yeah, not insinuated in this conversation. Yeah, that's because of the miscarriage. Uh, but man, drunk Ben in this scene is just kind of embarrassing playing his air guitar. It's like he's totally supposed to be like a midlife crisis dude in yeah. his 40s. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, his His little arc that happens within this episode is supposed to be, I think, his arc for the entire season. But we get like a, like we just spin another circle real quick and get him back to being accusatory and then coming back around and trying to be a good guy. And that's a little frustrating. Right. I can't help but imagine that in the midst of this, you know, finding a young girlfriend and all that stuff is probably when he made his fedora purchase. Um, yeah. The one he wore in episode <laughs> one, you know, he was, he I was feel deciding, like he started, you know, he started smoking again too. He like, he wasn't smoking <laughs> yeah, until. Yeah. Bought scared. that leather jacket. Yeah. Yep. New year, new year, new Ben, you know? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in the gazebo, he has this moment with Hayden, which is kind of ironic because they're standing on top of her dead body, yeah. um, where, where they have a real heart-to-heart, you know, and he seems to apologize to her and um, really forcefully denies her, you know, says, you know, I never really loved you. Um, my family's always what's mattered the most to me. So we know that he's serious about that. And she kisses him, uh, but it doesn't work. And so she decides she's just going to go for it and blame it all on Luke, which I will just say, poor Luke, again, this guy doesn't get the storyline he deserves. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get badass Ben again, you know, having his cool... Uh, he doesn't have a leather jacket on this time, but he's smoking a cigarette 
in his office. He's going to confront Luke about, you know, coming in and stepping in with his wife. Uh, but Luke says, hey, you know, the reason I'm not married anymore is because I was shooting blanks and my wife and I couldn't get over that. So it's not me. You clearly have other marital problems. And you know what? You're a hypocrite, too. So yep. I wrote in my notes here, I can't tell you how much I would have want, I, I wanted to see just Luke beat the crap out of Ben in this moment. <laughs> but at the same time, like his, his just like his smile and like the way he like totally dismisses Ben is, is just as satisfying. Yeah, the smarmier, the better, I think. I don't, like physical uh, um, action is kind of like the easy out. I like the, uh, you know, kind of the condescending like smarm. Anyway. Yes, yes. And then, of course, the way Ben's arc in this particular episode kind of ends is he tries to get the truth out of Moira, and that's when he finally, you know, rebukes her for the last time, or um, you know, pushes her away for the last time. Um, and she says that whole line about, isn't this what all men want? The freedom to satiate their needs guilt-free. And we kind of realize, well, that's what she embodies as the young Moira. And she says, congratulations, Dr. Harmon. And he finally sees her for who she is, Francis Conroy, which to me does not feel that redemptive because he's such an asshole at the asylum with Vivian. Um, it's hard, like you were kind of saying earlier, it's hard for me to buy into his redemption story here because he is such a dick. It, I, I almost would have preferred him to like feel like they were even after this. You know what I mean? And maybe he, maybe he gets to that after this episode, but... I feel like it's it, it makes this moment fall a little uh, on deaf ears for me. It's hard to understand exactly what the moment is, too, that leads to this reveal that triggers the change in Moira's appearance to him. Um, mm -hmm. Like, you know, I was trying to figure it out. And, like, so he realizes that he made a mistake locking Vivian up, uh, and that didn't happen until Luke, like, explained, uh, you know, that he's... Uh, does, he's not fertile. He he's sterile, um, mm -hmm. and he so he chooses Vivian. He knows he did wrong, and he needs to you know he chooses Vivian. He's choosing his family again, um, even though in the middle of the episode he was talking all this shit to her and being really nasty. But he also thought he was right. You know he didn't handle this himself well at all. <laughs> I think at the end we're supposed to see him be redemptive, um, and there's this you know the reveal that Moira says you're finally beginning to see things as they are. I, I like that. I wish I could pinpoint it on like what actually triggered it, but um, I like it because it teases a bigger picture story that like okay, like there's he's getting it. They're gonna get out of this house. They're gonna make it. They are going to survive. You know, mm -hmm. obviously we know that that's not always how American Horror Story uh, uh, seasons go. But I think it's supposed to give us this tinge of hope that Ben's coming around. He's figured it out. He knows Vivian's right. He's going to get Vivian. They're going to get out of this and get Violet and get the F out of there. Totally. Well, and the other thing that I honestly, I think the thing that would have made this okay for me is if there had been one more little scene where he goes back to Vivian after the, the yeah. conversations and he's like, and he's like, you know, I don't care what happened. I'm going to be a father for both these kids. I realize we both made that, you know, we, we went through a tough times. We both had, you know, made, made the wrong choices, but I'm here for you. Let's move forward. Let's have a family together. Like some kind of redemptive moment. And then he had the Moira scene. It would have felt more authentic to me than mm -hmm. him being such a dick to Vivian and then having that scene because... Even 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 with what he said to Hayden, because he didn't convey that to Vivian, it, it to me it just didn't quite click. Um, and then of course the the other kind of main points of this episode that we need to point out, we get the um, little 
final scene with Billy Dean about the story of the Antichrist, um, which is, you know, explaining for us, obviously, what will build into Apocalypse in later seasons and kind of how these last few episodes will play out. I think that's, this is the first time we, we really come to understand that, you know, Vivian holds either one or two Antichrist babies in her womb. Um, well, assuming we figure whichever one was consummated with the ghost, we don't right. know necessarily which one. Um, <laughs> we don't know what ghost DNA looks like. That sounds... We don't. Ghost DNA sounds like a pretty sweet TV show. And, um, or band name. Then, <laughs> or band name. And then the kind of final thing that happens is poor Travis, you know, Constance proposes to him. He's not ready to be a dad. He goes to have sex with Hayden again in the basement. And, you know, um, he doesn't pleasure her satisfactorily. And she said she's going to kill him. She sucks. And, and I think this was just supposed to be like kind of like a – to make the this this episode come full circle when Travis gets the Black Dahlia treatment, um, did you like that? Um, I think we're also supposed to like know that Hayden can be murderous, so we need to be worried about her uh, a little bit more than we thought. She's not just going to scare, even though we she's been threatening. Um, and I think we've had ghosts kill living human beings. Yeah, but this for Hayden. This is the first live person she kills. Yeah, because um, we had you know Tate and the Infantada and stuff work right. to kill the people who broke into the house and stuff right. like that. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. It's Hayden just stirring the pot and being an idiot, not having a lot of forethought, just trying to get what she wants. So it's poor Travis, but also Travis's character sucked. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was sweet, but he, you know, I would say I much prefer uh, Jessica Lange's scenes with Sarah Paulson than I do with the guy who plays Travis. <laughs> yeah. Or her scenes with Vivian, for that matter, you know? Um You know, we, we noticed this too when she was paired with Eskandarian, how she kind of her acting prowess compared to his, you see these situations in which she needs somebody who can go toe to toe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Kathy Bates. Or, well, I, I would say, um, I mean, because, so I looked up Kathy Bates and Jessica Lange both win um, Emmys uh, in the same season when they were in uh, uh, Coven. Coven? Yeah. Uh, but Jessica Lange was the only one who won it in, uh, in this season. And I think the only people that can keep up with her are Frances Conroy, who was also nominated. And um, I'd say, uh, oh my gosh, why am I? Connie Britton uh, also was nominated uh, for uh, actress, and she's pretty- yeah. I, I do think Evan Peters. This is one of his best seasons. Oh, he too. does. Yes, that's a good point. Yes, he's he he can he does well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But all these side characters just don't fare well. Yeah. Well, so the, all that being said, I know you're on a tight schedule, so let's uh, give your rating real quick, if you yeah. can. Yeah, so I think overall, I this episode was fine. Stuff happened. Um, the one thing that we didn't bring up that I thought, you know, kind of frustrates me about later episodes in a season is I don't need to get introduced to new ghosts at this point. I want to spend time with the people I already know, and I maybe that means giving them heavier, more robust storylines with more conflict and things that they need to overcome, not just shitty marriages or, you know. Right. Um, or a haunted Well, like the drama, like, the drama could have been drawn out longer when Hayden's sister come, came looking, you know? Totally. We moved past that really quickly. And if we've been introduced to her earlier, having someone on the brink of discovering that Ben is a murderer is really exciting. And do you fight, you root for him? Do you not? But that was handled like that. Um, and, you know, that's kind of a wasted opportunity, I think, when we could have, you know, and Mina Savari, love her, great, awesome. But I, I don't need 
a Black Dahlia reference, and a new ghost and a new murder introduced just for her to disappear next episode. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I like I feel like we spend enough time with Patrick and Chad that I'm kind of interested in, like more about them. They're great together and like they're like they have different marriage. And anyway, so that's the only thing that kind of frustrates me about this episode beyond what I've already mentioned. I would say I give this three point two five. Not very high. I didn't really like it that much, as you can probably tell. I love the show. I love the show, but I want to spend more time with my people, not, you know, new stuff and spinning circles. What about you? <laughs> Totally. Um, I agree with you on a lot of the same stuff. I feel like the kind of uh, sections with the Black Dahlia character were, I mean, unnecessary. And I feel like they love to explore these stories. I think it should be confined to American Horror Stories um, moving ahead from now on instead of American Horror Story. Because I do feel like, like you said, it, it kind of, they feel the need to contort the story to fit like this whole narrative with Travis being bisected later and bring that character in. It doesn't really fit. Um, and I, I already kind of outlined what I would have liked to have seen to make Ben storyline um come together more in a more in a, in a way that resonates for me more um but we'll be curious to hear how others feel about those kind of things and then finally i do i loved having you know constance back i loved having a little bit of billy dean yeah. back but constance's scenes i feel like the cup she wasn't in this episode a ton but the the it, we didn't even mention this where she went to go see vivian um mm. was talking about like you know you know, being there for Vivian and helping to raise the baby, all that kind of stuff. Um, Jessica Lange She's... continues to shine. Uh, no, no wonder she won the Emmy for the season. I, because of that, I'm going to give it a three and a half, um, three point five, because there were bright moments. But I, 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 like you said, I'm not a fan of these episodes that kind of divert, bring in new characters at the last minute. Let's, you're, you're absolutely right. Let's flesh out the drama. Let's let's make Hayden's sister there a little bit longer. Let's um, do this extra scene with Ben where he has the redemption moment with Vivian before the stuff. I feel like this there, there are a couple things that could have happened that could have made this episode come together in a more cohesive yeah. way. I would, so I would, the only thing I would add to that because you brought that up, uh, we we do have we do see Constance now with another new purpose in life. You know, and that has always been motherhood. And we know parenting is a huge theme that Ryan Murphy loves to use. I don't think he had kids at this point, um, but oh. he loves exploring parenting. And Jessica Lang or Constance obviously wanted to make Travis a dad, and he's like, nah. So this is her new driving purpose um, to to see the end of see us see us through the end of this series or uh, season. Totally. And we may have deciding that Constance has the most complete storyline of any character in, in Murder House. Um, I wouldn't be surprised about that. So anyway, I know we got to run. So uh, everybody, please check us out on Facebook. Please send us uh, any comments or thoughts you have via email. We always love that. And please rate us, review us on iTunes and Stitcher. Um, we sincerely appreciate your feedback. Chris, but between now and next week, where can people catch you? I am on Instagram and Twitter at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. What about you, Tyler? I am on Twitter at TJMouse11, and you know what? My Instagram is TJMouse11 as well, so if you want to hit me up on there. (laughs) I've never thrown that out there because I'm not a fantastic photographer, but why not? Let's embrace it. Uh, I don't think it's for photography. uh... (laughs) Yeah, probably not. Um, I hope everyone has a terrific week. We're excited to chat with you next week. Uh, Until then, we love you. Happy hauntings.